0: Yeah. No. Yeah. No, yeah.
1: No, yeah. No, no. Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. I, I don't, I've yeah. never, I, you, no. Yeah. No, yeah. No, yeah, that really oh, hey. kind of grosses me
0: out. That was so organic. Thank you.
1: Subscribe to Yeah, No, Yeah on iTunes and leave us a review. We'll read it. And be sure to check us out on our new website, yeah, no com, where you can see All our latest shit.
0: (laughs) It sounds like we're too busy to do a second take.
1: Hi, I'm Katie. And yes, I am parting my hair differently. Thanks for noticing.
0: Oh, oops. (laughs) I was about to say something, I swear. Hi, I'm Molly. And yes, the rumors are true. I purchased my entire wardrobe at a Goodwill in Southwest Florida. (laughs) They give away a lot of good stuff.
1: Not give away. Donate. To Goodwill. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because rich, beautiful
0: women are dying all the time.
1: You looked great in what you wore yesterday. And
0: giving me their sparkly blouses.
1: <laughs> she listens to Calypso music. <laughs> yeah. And her name is Mimi now. Yeah. Not Molly. Molly's dead. <laughs> Don't go to Florida,
0: guys. Or do, but no, do be prepared for a whole lifestyle change. <laughs> so today, we're like the rest of the nation. We're talking about R. Kelly. Yep. This was something that uh, I brought up to you. I had heard that this docuseries, series, Surviving R. Kelly, was making a big splash, and I said to you, Kelly. I mean, Ke- <laughs> <laughs> and I said. Kelly, <laughs> he said, "Don't call me by my birth name, Katie Kelly. I'm his secret child." Uh, so then we had that discussion, but then uh, I, you were very reluctant. You didn't want to get into yeah. it because I had all of the. I had no idea about his uh, long life of crimes or not the extent yeah. of it. I had heard bits and pieces. But uh, I realized watching the documentary how much I didn't understand and how much I hadn't absorbed and why that was. And I thought it was really interesting. You didn't – you were initially not into the idea. I
1: just felt – yeah, I was nervous to talk about him too much because he's getting a lot of attention. And I didn't love the documentary, which we'll get into a little Mm -hmm. bit. Um, But he really – I mean, what's more tabloid than R. Kelly right now? So he really does fit our vibe. I just, I'm going to be mad a lot during this episode. And that's okay. I was mad last episode. Yeah. And the one before. So we're really just driving this home.
0: Yeah, we're both very... Worked up. Yeah. I'm already sweating, and it's very cold in Molly's this room. nose is
1: bleeding. <laughs> yeah,
0: uh, so we wanted to address that. Of course, like we've been doing, trigger warnings before these past couple episodes.
1: Yes, yeah. and this uh, one's no different.
0: Obviously, you can imagine we're going to be talking about uh, abuse, sexual abuse, child pornography, all of the, uh, all of the legal troubles that he's gotten himself into. And we're going to talk about his history of sexual abuse. So if that's not something you want to hear about, this is not the episode episode. for you. Uh, And also wanted to address that, we did an episode on the Trumps. We did an episode on Clinton. We focused a lot on Bill Clinton. Uh, so after this episode, we are going to take a break from, <laughs> from bad perverts. bad men. We, ha- we both are suffering from pervert fatigue at yeah. this point. Uh, so I wanted to mention that we have some episodes coming up where we're going to be talking about Uh, Some interesting female celebrities Mm -hmm. We're done with men for a little while We've had it with men Uh, We want to do the Sorry James
1: (laughs) (laughs) James is back in studio and we're already (laughs) done with him Yeah,
0: we're taking you to be neutered After this (laughs) It's for your own good Um, But yeah, so we're going to do The Mysterious Death of Brittany Murphy It's going to be one Uh, Anna Nicole Smith is a topic we've been wanting to cover We have a guest coming on to talk about Princess Diana
1: It's going to be good Stay tuned.
0: So if you're running away from this episode, That's back.
1: okay. Yeah, come back to us.
0: At some point. But we get it. We've all had <laughs> enough. Uh, I also wanted to mention that you shouldn't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, And leave us a a review on iTunes. That helps us out a lot. We're still going to do our t-shirt giveaway. We're up to Mm -hmm. 106 reviews on iTunes.
1: Just need a few more to enter the raffle.
0: And then we'll say who the winner is and we'll uh, find out your address, if that's okay with you.
1: (laughs) And we'll show up in person and give (laughs) you a shirt.
0: (laughs) So uh, we did get a couple, we don't have any new reviews on the American side of iTunes, but we did do have uh, some reviews from other parts of the world. Wow. Katie, take it away. It's in purple.
1: In purple. Okay. Moister than an oyster from the UK says, Okay, so I am going to gush a little on this review. I think I found a new favorite. These ladies had me giggling, questioning what I thought I knew about life, and by the end, shuddering to completion. I love how much fun they sound like they are having. Giggling gently poking each other and giving zero <laughs> ducks. It's not easy to be entertaining and sound smooth. Katie and Molly do it. They don't just do it. They do it with bells on. If you haven't enjoyed these ladies, you are missing out. Get your ear holes lubed and get ready to binge. Lyndon from Ask Forecast Podcast.
0: Ask Forecast is a really funny podcast. Uh, I describe it best as um, if you've ever listened to My Brother, My Brother and Me and mm-hmm. thought, like, this is too wholesome for me. This is the
1: podcast for you. Perfect. Thank you, Lyndon. Uh, This next one is from a Canadian listener called Grunglefly. And it says, one of my favorite podcasts, five stars. Listening to this podcast truly feels like I'm at a sleepover with two friends who are way cooler and more confident than me. I especially like season two. I really recommend this if you like my favorite murder. How Other people that? would beg to differ. Yeah.
0: Uh, those are my favorite reviews. That's mention, really nice. <laughs> well, but I love it when people mention my favorite murder yeah. and us in the same sentence. Our <laughs> colleagues at Our uh, co- over at My Favorite Murder. Our
1: pals.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, okay. This just in. <sighs> this happened yesterday. It came out that R. Kelly has been dropped by Sony. Finally. Exciting.
1: Exciting.
0: It's too bad it took this documentary being wildly popular for that to happen, but we'll all take what we can get. I guess (laughs) Uh, the Lifetime series broke a ratings record uh, for Lifetime uh, with one point nine viewers, one point nine million viewers watching the premiere.
1: That's a lot. Yeah, Lifetime is a weird venue, but it made sense for this documentary. I guess I just I think of Lifetime as really dramatic movies about moms missing their Well, that makes sense for this. When I
0: first heard it was Lifetime, I was like, oh, God, are they going to be, like, weird reenactments?
1: Thank God. If there were reenactments, we'd have to call the police immediately.
0: (laughs) We sure, sure would. (laughs) Uh, So uh, before this, I'll be honest, I was not super familiar with R. Kelly and his music. Uh, Now I know that he's sold over 30 million albums. Mm -hmm. Many of his albums have gone platinum. He's been hugely successful since around the mid-'90s. And, uh, yeah, his music has connected with a lot of people.
1: A lot of people. A lot of people love him.
0: A lot of people love him. A lot of people still love him. (laughs) Yeah. Which is uncomfortable, and we'll get into all that. Uh, So, Robert Sylvester Kelly. Oh, Oh. I wanted to start out. So, we're going to start out with a little biography. Yeah. I mostly want to – we're not just going to be telling you what happened in the documentary. Uh, We're not a
1: retelling show.
0: Yeah. So, if you're waiting to see the documentary – there will be some, I guess, spoilers is a weird yeah. word to use. But um, we are going to be talking about some of the things in the documentary. But yeah. we're also – I read *Solar Coaster, which is his autobiography. So I wanted you shaking your head, <laughs> which was a weird choice on my part. But I just had to no, know. No, someone I had, had to, to,
1: and it was only you. <laughs> and I
0: really do feel like – I want to connect the dots of yeah. like what the documentary says, what um, newspaper articles that have come out about him over the years, and what he says about himself. I think it's a really interesting, uh, it's interesting connection. Yeah. So if you've watched the documentary, there's going to be a lot in here that you won't have heard. So I just wanted to say that up top. So as I was saying, Robert Sylv- Sylvester Kelly was born January 8th, 1967, on Chicago's south side, mm. which is known for being a rougher area. Uh, He spent his younger years growing up in the projects. He eventually moved on, but he was still in um, a not great part of Chicago. Uh, In the biography, there were a lot of, uh, he talks about a lot of tragic moments. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of them, uh, one of the first ones right off the bat, very early in the book, he says that he watched his eight-year-old girlfriend, Lulu, drown.
1: (sighs) In what? In a river. Oh, God. He said that they
0: were going on a walk next to the river and some other kids came Mm. and they were fighting over who got to stay and where and they pushed her in. Now, I couldn't find this independently substantiated. I think he's the only source for this or maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But uh, that's kind of the beginning of his book, so it's, yeah. And you
1: know what you're in for after that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. He also says, this was really interesting, he says that he was shot at age 11 or 13, depending on who you ask, Uh uh, while he was riding a bike, and he says that he was shot because the people who shot him wanted to take his bike. Later, Joanne Kelly, his mother, told a reporter that he had made that story up to cover up a suicide attempt.
1: Whoa. Yeah. Oh no.
0: Yeah. A lot of the book he spends talking about his experience playing basketball. Okay. A lot of chapters in the book are what I would describe as basketball fugues <laughs> where he's just
1: obsessed about basketball.
0: And you know, I'm not a basketball person. I have You're not a baller, that's true. <laughs> I uh don't you dare say that <laughs> about me. Um, But, no, I was forced to play basketball for my, like, church's co-ed church basketball group. (laughs) uh, I was terrible. I was the worst player. And, like, with all sports, I've always felt like I'm making it worse for everyone else because of how much I suck. Yeah. So I (laughs) wasn't able to get through all the the basketball talk. I'm sorry to make this all about me. (laughs) Anyway.
1: None of us love <laughs> playing basketball as children, but except R. Kelly.
0: <laughs> well, R. Kelly did sure it. did. And the reason why basketball is kind of important is because he, as they discuss in the documentary, mm. he also talks, he addresses quite a bit in the loves book. Loves the
1: Bulls.
0: He loves the Bulls. It's not what I was going to say. <laughs> he can't read.
1: No. <laughs> So he, and
0: that is, and he says that his uh, skill at basketball is what allowed him to sort of be pushed along through school. And then eventually when he started singing uh, okay. and he's saying like that's why he was sort of allowed to be in the school system once he got to high school because they wanted to kick him out because he had all Fs once he got to high school. Right. But then he had a singing teacher who was advocating for him. And then uh, in elementary school, they were like, hey, you've got to try harder in school, but we want you to go to high school so that you can play basketball for a high school team. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, Why didn't they just help him read?
0: Okay, so people did try to help him (laughs) read. But uh, he said, so I think most people when they hear about someone having a really hard time Mm. reading, your mind immediately goes to dyslexia, which he brings up. But he says that what he has is worse than dyslexia Mm. and that at some point during his elementary school experience, a specialist did talk to him and suggested that he did suffer from brain damage. But that's only brought up once, and mm. I haven't been able to find any other sources that kind of address that. But that would be really interesting to know yeah. if he did suffer from some kind of early brain damage. I think that, that might, I'm no neurologist, sure. that might help explain some of his later issues in life. Who knows?
1: I am a neurologist, and yes, it does. <laughs>
0: So uh, in high school, he uh, – on the first day of high school, he has this very vid- dis- vivid description uh-huh. of meeting his teacher who would go on to be his singing teacher, Miss Lena McLynn. Uh
1: She so, wasn't in the documentary, was she? Yes, she was.
0: I don't know if that was her.
1: Oh, there was another singing – okay. Sorry.
0: I don't know if that was her. I should have – looked. look. I don't know. Um, so okay. he says <laughs> – uh, he says that she looked right at him first day of school and said, do you know who you are? And he responds, yes, ma'am, I'm Robert Kelly. And She goes on to say, this is a direct transcript uh-huh. from the book, no, you are God's child. The spirit of God is on you, son. You are going to be famous. You are going to write songs for Michael Jackson. You are going to travel the world. The whole classroom is there, by the way. Right. This is like... Okay, people will pay you to see you. You are anointed. God has given you a gift that no one can take away. Then she prays over him very dramatically, uh, and he says, "I'm not really a singer. I'm a basketball player." <laughs> then she orders him to sing Billy Preston's "You Are So Beautiful to Me," and to he her. <laughs> says that they're singing it together and they their eyes are locked. At which point I guess the rest of the class is like I guess we'll go fuck ourselves. Yeah, I
1: guess like, this, we're all grown guys, up now. You guys are
0: clearly having a moment. <laughs> so should we go? Should we I guess we'll go. So that was the first this day feels of
1: untrue. <laughs> I just wanted to bring that
0: up. I'm glad you brought that up. A lot of this book feels like that Reddit group that's called That Happens, where it's just people telling stories about how they tell everyone where a sales associate says happy holidays and they say, no, it's Merry Christmas. Trump is president. We're free now. And then everyone applauds. These stories always end with, and then everyone applauds. You'll notice. He has a lot of that. Yeah, there's a lot of that happening.
1: R. Kelly's book of lies.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> is what I'm renaming it. <laughs> the working title. Uh,
0: she goes on to give him... A, did I mention that this is called Solo Coaster?
1: You said it, and you didn't really emphasize it the way you should have.
0: It's called Solo Coaster. So
1: buckle up, kids.
0: He, that's the b- intro, the it prologue. It says buckle it up, kids. It doesn't say buckle up, but it says we're going to go on high highs and low lows, but hold on. <sighs> Here we go on the solar Coaster. All
1: right.
0: So she gives him a lot of singing tips, and he says that uh, when he can't get to a high note, she tells him to think about something really high. And so he imagines the Sears Tower okay. because Chicago. Yeah. He talks a lot about the Sears Tower mm. and how he always saw it as this looming edifice and kind of the back of his imagination. He says, he says those <laughs> words? I don't <laughs> think well, so.
1: No. <laughs> in so many words.
0: Uh, but he's, he has. I have seen him say <laughs> in an interview that as a kid he would look at the Sears Tower and be like, I'm going to get you. <laughs> Meaning like he was gonna have a lot of success. Yeah. But it's just funny. I'm imagining. gonna get you one day. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna beat you at basketball. You inanimate. But he object. was also
1: blind and weird. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's stop laughing. It's yeah, I'm about sorry. To get this is
1: being this is too funny for the point of this episode. Yeah,
0: it's about to get really bad. Dark. So in the documentary, you all will have seen that Carrie, his younger brother, talked about being molested by a family member,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: and he doesn't say who. Uh, and R. Kelly uh, also mentions uh, being molested by a family member in this book, which mm-hmm. came out in two thousand and twelve, which is important. Uh. In a later interview, Carrie Kelly has said that the person who was molesting them from R. Kelly said he was around seven or eight to 14 or 15. Oh, God. Uh, Carrie has since said that it was their older sister, Teresa. Yeah. Later in a GQ, and then uh, that's not the only moment of uh, uh, molestation that R. Kelly brings up. Uh, in Solo Coaster, he says, As a kid, I had a lot of secrets. Some were terrible, some were beautiful, some were both. One secret was about what was happening to me at home. And then he goes on to describe a pretty chaotic home environment where there are sort of just adults who aren't his mom there, and it's Mm. not really explained who they are or what they're doing there. But he would say that there would be this couple who would regularly walk in on having sex when he was a little kid. And he said one time he walked in the room, and like the first time he was an accident, and then the second time, he or subsequent times after that, he knew that, they were there and he was curious and he, you know, didn't know exactly what was going on. Yeah. So he would go in there and she says that at one point they told him to take a picture of him with a Polaroid. And it sort of seems yeah. – it sort of makes sense because as we'll see later, he develops this bizarre compulsion with recording, recording himself sex. having yeah. sex. So it seems like he's saying that that – he's hinting. He does not get into his sexual predilections no. in this autobiography – but it seems clear that he's trying to hint that this is where that maybe came from. Yeah. He also talks about being propositioned by a neighbor. An old man just invited him to his house and exposed his penis oh, and asked him to, to touch it. So, uh, so those are the main instances that he mentions in mm-hmm. the book. Uh, in a 2016 GQ interview, which was a long interview that took place over – it was with Chris Heath and it took place over three days – um, from that, uh, Chris Heath asks him, uh, I believe a common reaction to in situations is to be angry about losing innocence that shouldn't have been lost. Do you relate to that?
1: Mm.
0: And uh, Kelly says, absolutely, yes. It teaches you definitely to be sexual earlier than you should have, than you're supposed to. You know, no different than... Putting a loaded gun in a kid's hand, he's going to grow up to be a shooter probably. I think it affects you tremendously when that happens at an early age to be more hornier. Your hormones are up more than they would normally be. Mine was. So uh, I think he goes on to say there's this very awkward moment Mm -hmm. in the interview where he talks about how he's forgiven the people who molested him and interfered with him as a child And uh, but then he and he goes on to say that he's forgiven them because he thinks he knows that something like that happened to them as children. And he calls it a generational curse. And then this moment kind of hangs in the air between him and the interviewer where it's like, so you're saying you're passing it on to the next generation. He's like, oh, no, 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 no. That's that's not what I was (laughs) saying. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm saying
1: something else.
0: (laughs) Why did you make this so weird?
1: (laughs) God. Yeah.
0: So there's this whole, we'll get into this, but there's this whole thing about him. He had that song called I Admit. There's this whole thing about him hiding in plain sight and constantly kind of making it clear, not really being too calling himself the Pied Piper of R&B, which we'll get into more. Actually, I'll just say it now. Say it now. In the same GQ interview... (laughs) The same journalist brings yeah. up, like, why would you call yourself the Pied Piper? That's in like, the that's opening. That's sort of weird. Yeah. Like, that's an odd nickname to choose. And he's like, mm, I don't know. i uh, <laughs> never read the story. Again, illiterate. Right. makes sense. Um, and then the journalist says, well, it's about a guy. Like, he said, but you know it's about a guy who does this thing to children mm-hmm. and is like mm, no i just remember hearing that he like played the flute really well or something <laughs> and i just connected with and that and
1: i'm a flautist
0: <laughs> yeah and i'm a great flautist so yeah. and there's something about a rat or a bunny and there And the <laughs> journalist says no it's this like is what happened <laughs> the piper and he tells him he he uh, leads children out of town and then kills them because yeah. their parents didn't do what he wanted and is like Interesting. <laughs> yeah. What a weird story. No, mm-hmm. and he just sort of refuses to acknowledge ha- that it has the this connection.
1: Creeping...
0: <sighs> so let's get back to his biography. So as they talk about in the documentary, he attended Kenwood Academy, which evidently had a very good music program. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, dropped out, can't okay. graduate, but it seems like he got what he needed, right? From that, I guess. Like musically? He,
1: musically, sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, he met that teacher who sang Yeah, him. he met
1: that aggressive teacher.
0: Oh, I think that was at Kenwood. I hope I'm not wrong. He may have gone to more than one high school. I'm not oh, sure I about that. Okay.
1: But he got what he needed.
0: <clears throat> uh, he claims that at age 15 or 16, he sang for Lionel Richie, who Uh-oh. tried to pay him $500 for a song that he wrote, but he knew he was worth more than that.
1: I don't understand that.
0: Again, this is something that I've only heard from <laughs> him. But uh, around this time, Get he Lyme also on the
1: horn. ask him if that's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: around the time, he also starts being a street performer, and he does very well as a street performer, according to him. Which I don't have any problem. Oh, believing. I believe that. Yeah. No one's saying he's honestly. Not... He should
1: have just kept doing that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, he also says that he would moonlight as a stripper at bachelorette parties. Also,
1: not surprising.
0: Yeah. So, I wanted to share with you this little anecdote he had about stripping. I'm sweating. Uh, Even back then, I think it's a great insight into some of the things that he, his attitude toward women. Okay. I get that. Even back then, I felt that whatever I did, I had to do it creatively. So, when I stripped, I had to tell a story (laughs) or create a fantasy because I had learned enough about women. By listening to women most of my life, to know they needed to escape reality sometimes. Uh, yeah, because they're locked in your basement. Jesus yeah. But I'd come out as Darth Vader. I'd put on the black mask and the black robe. When I dropped the robe, I'd be wearing nothing but my little patent leather drawers. Because I had a body. I was ripped real good. Women went crazy.
1: No, they didn't.
0: And I just love women that he's, ran like, out of that he's room. like, I understand women. I know what they want. You know what women like? Star Wars yeah. co- cosplay. That's what gets us Wrong room. worked up. <laughs> I'm sure they were like screaming like, we can't believe he's doing this. And he's they were like, laughing. they love it. Yeah. yeah.
1: We know he can't read women well, so it's okay. Yeah.
0: So in the late 1980s, he goes to L.A. Something that was interesting from the book mm-hmm. is it you sort of imagine famous people kind of skyrocketing to fame. Yeah. And this does do a pretty – I think that it, from what I can tell, from what I can guess, it does seem like a pretty good depiction of what it's like to really be struggling to get famous. And it wasn't just, you know, he met um, – He didn't – the documentary makes it sound like he showed up to uh, Natalie Cole's talent show. And then he was famous. But there was a lot of – there was a long period before then when he was struggling. Uh, He moved to L.A. in the 1980s and he says he was homeless on the beach and kept his clothes in a paper bag. Uh, And then he had to go back to Chicago. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of a failed um, start to his career. Uh, And then he says – and this is – uh, echoed by, I also saw this on a radio station website in Chicago that it wasn't actually uh, Natalie Cole's big break, which he did appear on in 1989. Um, he says that, that wasn't his big break, mm-hmm. and that um, the real story was that he was singing at a backyard party in Chicago when a Jive a Jive record executive overheard him singing and said, "I like the sound of that."
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I don't know. I, I mean, that's not
1: unbelievable. Yeah.
0: So, his first I like album. the sound
1: of that. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't know the exact quote. No, no, the whole
1: vibe <laughs> of this episode is creepy. So, it's okay. <laughs> uh,
0: the first album, his first album was in 1992, and that was Born Into the 90s, which he did with a group, not MGM. Wow, he is a
1: lot older than I realized.
0: It was the group uh, Public Announcement. Yeah, uh, he is older than you realize. Yeah. He was born in, what did I say, 19. 19- 1967 yeah so that yeah, would make i guess him... i don't know he didn't
1: realize that he was this old go yeah. on <laughs> what a um, life
0: yeah so he did this with his group public announcement um that had the hit song she's got that vibe does she <laughs> and uh from that i wanted to tell you about a little moment he had uh going to the, his first experience with fame
1: huh.
0: uh so he had this hit and he really wanted to be recognized so he kind of goes out looking for people <laughs> to recognize him, which is
1: we do that. E,
0: do we? No. Do we want people to recognize us from our podcast when people can only? I just start hear us?
1: shouting everywhere I go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> do you know this voice?
0: <laughs> uh, so he says. that first, I went to a predominantly white mall. No one recognized me. Yeah. Then I went to Evergreen Mall in a suburb of Chicago. Back then we called it Ever Black because at the time it was the Black Mall. Okay. It was the first, and then he says in parentheses, it was the first indoor shopping mall in America. Thank you. I know. like fun,
1: fun, fun little bit of trivia for all you <laughs>
0: mall nerds. At Evergreen, I went to a clothing <clears throat> store for high school girls. I figured someone would recognize me there. I stared Woof. a girl right in the face and even started singing my song. Oh, no. I wanted her to say, oh, are you the one who sings She's Got That Vibe? <laughs> but she didn't say a thing. Yeah, because it's yeah. not normal for people to make strong <laughs> eye contact and, and sing. sing to you. But to
1: him it is.
0: In his imagination it is. He was
1: taught by that singing teacher that that's what I you know. do.
0: yeah. <laughs> Uh, 1993, he puts out 12 play, which is his first solo album, uh, 12 which is play? 12 plays. The one is having all his like super sexy. That's when it I first... don't know
1: his music,
0: Me but that's either. okay. Yes. Yeah. I think this had that song, uh, bump and grind. I hope Ew. I'm saying that right. Something about grinding, something about, I think bumping. It, is bumping. it also included the song. I'd never heard of this one. Apparently it was a hit. Uh, I like the crotch on you. Well, That's the name of a, of a track that was played on the radio in 1993.
1: Yet we let him continue on through life after that.
0: I like the crotch on you. Yeah. Thank you. I've never heard crotch <laughs> said outside of like a tailoring circumstance. Yeah.
1: Crotch of pants is the only time I've heard of it. That he song- was singing to his tailor or his tailor was singing <laughs> yeah. to him.
0: Yeah. I like the crotch on you is not a song that we heard a lot in uh, –
1: Homeschool Maryland. Gaithersburg, Maryland. Yeah, same. <laughs>
0: um, so he goes on. So there's this whole thing about he has a lot of gospel influences. He talks about a lot about his mom being a big influence on him, and she was a she was a good singer. singer. I remember him she, saying yes. in an interview. And uh he just describes gospel music as being a huge influence on his life, which he always kind of went back and forth between making these sexy, really raunchy songs. His Dancing has always been very obscene, yeah. which I didn't realize until researching for this episode. He always does like this a lot of humping.
1: A lot of, well, stripping. Stripping. Yeah, I think he just strips on stage.
0: Yeah. I really, yeah, that connects a lot of dots. Did you
1: see the interview uh, with that? He was asked about his mom and he mentioned she's a really good singer. I forget who was doing this interview. And he said he would line up. Like if she'd finished a cup of coffee and put it down, he would drink it and line up her lipstick line with his mouth. So God, just suck, suck that in, take that in. I mean, suck it in. Wow, suck that mom coffee in. Anyway, Ooh. that's a little note about his mom and he was, how he felt about. Her. He
0: loved his mom a lot. Yes, he, he uh, did. She died in the uh, right before his. Um, music career really took off, which he describes as being very traumatic for him, which I can imagine. Uh, So there's always been this kind of tug and uh, pull and tug. What am I trying to say?
1: Tug of war.
0: (laughs) Tug of war, I guess, between his spiritual gospel Mm. side that appeals to maybe an older audience and then his His very hypersexual bumping and grinding.
1: That appeals to no one.
0: Uh, No, a lot of people. Well, yeah. (laughs) Uh, He said this about his music. I want to be clear here. I never considered my music sinful for the most part. Uh, What people see on stage are Kelly bumping and grinding. (laughs) I said rinding. I'm pretty sure he said grinding. (laughs) Dropping my pants, seducing women. That's all show business. What I do on (laughs) stage doesn't mean I jump off a stage and continue to do in real life. There's no divide between sexy and spiritual music in my world. Okay. I've heard enough about your world. Yeah, sir. I don't
1: like your world.
0: So then he goes from uh, doing more club tracks, so less uh, less gospel music, and then he starts uh, doing a lot of collaborations with mm-hmm. other artists. And he says, and I want to bring this up because throughout his, uh, throughout his autobiography, throughout Solo Coaster, the themes that he keeps coming back to are religion Mm -hmm. and his connection to religion and Christianity and the role that he thinks that Jesus has had in his life. Mm -hmm. And McDonald's. (laughs) He constantly talks about
1: McDonald's. Like going over over there there. and eating? And
0: remember in the documentary, they talk about how he was like creepy that he kept showing up at the high school. And everyone was like, why are you here at the high school? You're in your 20s where he did the Kenwood Academy where he... Uh, took music lessons. And then he taught, and then they talk about how he would show up at the McDonald's nearby where all the high school girls would hang out. Mm. And that's where he would sort of start to find girls to hang out with. Yeah. Underage girls.
1: McDonald's.
0: McDonald's. So he says about <sighs> his career with Club Tracks, it was like being at McDonald's. <laughs> And realizing that even though fries and burgers sold big, you can also make money serving up McRibs, which are available for a little limited time only. Does he work for McDonald? <laughs> that is the
1: impression I started. I think started he owns McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> He's the <laughs> Hamburglar. He's <laughs> the Hamburglar.
0: The Hamburglar of R and B. That's the title of this episode.
1: <laughs> I know. So.
0: In 1994.
1: I keep making this grimacing thing. I I can't stand this episode. I
0: know, it's really bad.
1: And we haven't even really gotten there yet.
0: Yeah, so we're getting there. Uh. So, Aaliyah. Let's talk about Aaliyah. Yeah, I guess. So, uh, he writes her hit song for her, which is
1: Rock the Boat.
0: Age Ain't Nothing But a Number. What's the name of her uh, 1994 debut album, and this is again that thing about that washed him over me. That song. hiding in plain. <laughs> I don't remember hearing that at all. Which, to be fair, in 1994 I would have been six. Yeah, so we, no one was playing. I that was for listening us. <laughs> exclusively to the Beatles. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So uh she married him at 15 years old. Yeah, he had his assistant who admits this in the documentary that don't he. Don't get me started uh, on him,
1: Demetrius, Demetrius. Smith. His personal assistant. They liked each other so much.
0: Well, he also does say that he has a rueful expression, not as rueful as I would like.
1: Not as rueful as I would like.
0: But he is like, you know, I wish I had said more to her. But the idea is that she was pregnant, and he thought he had gotten some bad, I think, legal advice that by marrying her that wouldn't be a problem which is i don't think
1: correct they needed more lawyers i don't know or less lawyers Perfect. i don't know none of this is good
0: <laughs> yeah so um
1: yeah he forged her age too right on the she, or like made up her age yes
0: as 18 she was actually 15 yeah. Uh, soon after that, her parents had the marriage annulled because mm. when you're under, it varies by state, but when you're that age, your parents can veto
1: your marriage,
0: your marriage and they should. So before that, they show in the documentary that they make appearances in matching clothes and, yeah. uh, he's never admitted this happened. He's still denying that, that he they ever were married or that he ever had sex with her.
1: That's crazy. His
0: position is that he doesn't have sex with underage
1: girls. Right. That's true. He so does he say he doesn't say do that. He say that
0: he married her because everyone knows that she was 15 at the time.
1: And he was what? Like 21? Seven.
0: <gasps> 27.
1: It's not good.
0: In that GQ interview I mentioned, the journalist says, would you say you were in love with her? And he said, yes, I would say I loved Leah. And the journalist says, but in love? And uh, R. Kelly responds, well, there's a lot of ways to be in love with a person. Mm. I was in love with my grandfather, you know? (laughs) But yeah, I would say I was in love with Aaliyah just like I was in love with anybody else. Like my
1: grandfather. But in a different friend type of way. Uh, (laughs) Aaliyah's parents also claim now they never left her alone with him. Okay. A lot of people are... Trying to cover up for some bad stuff, I think. I don't I'm not judging blame her parents or them. them or anything. But it's just, you know, that's coming out now after the I documentary.
0: Can't imagine how they must feel. So Sad. Aaliyah, as everyone knows, she went on to die in two thousand one at age twenty two yeah. in a plane crash. Terrible. And what makes it so terrible now to think about, it's like she died at twenty two and she had spent such a big chunk of her life with this pervert. Yeah. Who did help make her famous? But that doesn't. No, that...
1: I think she'd probably rather have not have been famous. I assume. We assume.
0: Uh, Javante Cunningham, who's interviewed extensively for the uh, for the series, talks about mm-hmm. seeing them having sex on the on the tour, tour bus. bus, and it's a thing. That's the first. Aaliyah kind of his relationship with Aaliyah kind of lays the groundwork. Of all his subsequent abuse Where mm-hmm. everyone knows what's going on And
1: sees it Sees actively. it Actively
0: And helps get yeah. along Yeah uh, And knows it's wrong But is kind of in denial and, But sees how much money R. Kelly is making mm-hmm. And is just unwilling to rock the boat Yeah Unwilling to bite the hand that feeds them McDonald's <laughs> So, uh, yeah, and then Javante has this very sad story about she was really – that was the hardest. That, that was, was one of the, She was
1: hard to watch.
0: Yeah, but she talks about this experience of meeting him as a – she met him when she was, I think, 14. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, a young teenager, in any case, uh, she said that when she was working with him, she saw him have sex in the studio. Yeah. So not it's not just that he's having sex with underage girls. He's having sex around underage girls. Yeah, which
1: is like a different form of molestation. Right. Making people – Watch you. So, even have the sex. people he
0: didn't uh, t- commit statutory rape with, he he was doing was it inappropriate
1: in fr- completely.
0: Uh, and she's in the interview, she's crying and saying, We had big dreams. We thought we were going to be somebody. Uh, Javante, you are somebody. You are. You're, smart, You're a smart and, and, and a great you, singer. And a great singer. You don't get to be his backup singer yeah, for no, no reason. <clears throat> yeah. So. Uh, in 1996, uh, uh, I Believe I Can Fly, Space Jam comes out. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
0: this was kind of interesting. Basketball. He said,
1: Sorry, another theme.
0: Basketball. He was hugely inspired by Michael Jordan. Yeah. Uh, and he says that 20 years before the movie came out, he had a dream where cartoon characters shaped like musical notes, uh, he heard his doorbell ring and... And he went to answer the door, and where all these musical notes were standing in cartoon form, and they said, and he said, "Who are you guys?" And they said, "We're your biggest hit."
1: Whoa!
0: I don't know if that's that's not real. That's another anecdote where it's like it sounds pretty apocryphal, but um, but yeah. So Space Jam for our younger listeners was a big hit that I barely remember. I
1: loved that movie. Tell
0: us about it because I feel like I remember it, but then I'm like, was that a fever dream I had? Because it's such it a has a
1: feverish movie. vibe.
0: I get it mixed up with Space Jam, Air Bud, and then that other I Was a Teenage Werewolf. Oh I God, feel like there yeah. are a lot of movies where it's like... People uh, love
1: sports movies. Then. People
0: love animals playing basketball, yeah. I feel like. Michael Go
1: Jordan on. is a retired basketball player. He's now playing uh, baseball, but then he goes on a golfing trip, gets hit in the head, knocked out by a golf ball. And Bugs Bunny and friends appear, and they're like, come on, Mike, we need your help on this spaceship. Help us space jam our way <laughs> against these bad aliens. I'm summarizing here. Okay. And Katie's movie review corner. <laughs> yeah. And so he goes onto the the, the spaceship. He helps beat these uh, space alien basketball players who are look like Scottie pippen and all these other famous guys from the time bug bugsy malone yes
0: bugsy malone is the name of a basketball player.
1: okay that him he's he's depicted james do you not know sports anyway
0: <laughs> my dad used to talk about bugsy malone a lot he was very short my mom is very short yeah. and my dad would call my mom bugsy
1: Ma, yes Good. When
0: she irritated him by beating him at basketball. <laughs> She's very good. She's very good.
1: Very light on her feet with basketball. So Michael Jordan uh is, is he become he's like, I can't do it anymore. I don't play basketball anymore, but Bugs Bunny, I'll try to help. And then the song by R. Kelly plays, and then we all cheered. I believe I can What's fly. What's his
0: name? Bugsy or Mugsy?
1: Mugsy Ballone. <laughs> mugsy mugsy it
0: is but it's is
1: not right
0: bugs bunny that's why we got confused <laughs> it is mugsy i don't know yeah the, we'll forget his forget his last name we're sorry
1: mugsy big fans yeah huge <laughs> fans uh
0: so okay so you enjoyed it
1: yeah it was very you it's hard not to love that it's movie. cartoon
0: characters and real yeah
1: life. who doesn't love that combination
0: magical realism yes is that, that what great. it's called Uh, So in 1996, Space Jam, huge hit, obviously. Uh, I think that's his biggest song or biggest single. I believe I can fly.
1: It definitely is.
0: Uh, Which many consider to be very. Muggsy Bogues.
1: Mugsy folks. sorry, just had to say. Thank that's his God. Name. No, I'm glad we
0: got there. <laughs> um, that's his, which a lot of people think is like his um, most moving, uplifting. A lot of people talk about yeah. singing it at like graduation. It's always at a graduation. It's always at a graduation.
1: And church.
0: And church. Yeah. People sing it in church to, to this day. Literally
1: maybe, probably to this day.
0: Maybe not. Maybe
1: not today. Maybe not
0: today. It is but Sunday.
1: Like a week ago?
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, I hope not. Uh, so that same year, he marries Andrea Lee, yeah, who's his backup dancer. Yes, who's an amazing dancer,
1: beautiful dancer,
0: beautiful woman, beautiful mm-hmm. dancer. Uh, so he does it. He just it's. I'm so glad I read Solo Coaster because how he describes their wedding and how she describes their totally wedding are worlds apart. <laughs> so what did you think of how she described her wedding? You probably – do you remember that part?
1: I don't think I, I remember that part. Did I watch she, that part?
0: She talks about how he uh, – so he proposes to her with in this elaborate way with like a – a message from a strong, from yes, a helicopter?
1: that I remember.
0: Yeah, and then she says that she goes uh, into a hotel and he has everything set up.
1: Oh, I don't remember that.
0: And, and McDonald's uh, catered. Yeah, <laughs> let's assume. <laughs> uh, he had a surprise. Uh, yeah, so from the documentary, he, uh, he had a surprise wedding planned. And Drea explains, she goes by Drea, mm-hmm. I think, to friends. Yeah. Drea explains that she didn't, uh, that he doesn't seem to understand the difference between generosity and being very controlling. And she Ooh, says of that day yes. that she didn't know she was getting married. Uh. So she wasn't wearing a white dress, her family wasn't there. Oh. I do remember that now. Yeah.
1: Which is the beginning of him isolating her.
0: Yes, which is a thing that if you know anything about abuse and how domestic violence works, this is a number one move is they cut you off from From your your family and and friends. Mm -hmm. So from there his controlling behavior escalates and she's always trying to avoid his temper and he gets more and more physically abusive. And the part that uh, the heart, I thought one of the, a moment where I when I cried when I was watching the documentary yeah. is when she talks about this abuse and dealing with him um and trying to avoid his temper and she says, "How do I get you back to the guy that asked me to help him to read?" Uh, oh. Yeah.
1: I do remember her saying that. Yeah. You yeah. don't.
0: Yeah. But she talks about like in the early days of Yeah. their courtship it sort of is But he was sweet and
1: fun, and yeah, I remember seeing, like, there was pictures of them together.
0: And she comes off as a lovely person. Yeah, As, like, a warm, nurturing person, and you can see how someone like that would have that thing that a lot of women do where it's, like, I can fix you. And
1: I want to help you. And
0: I want to help you. Yeah. And I want to.
1: Unfortunately, the wrong people take advantage of that. Yes.
0: Yes. So she talks about how he, um, she wasn't allowed. It eventually gets to a point where she can't go from room to room mm-hmm. without his permission. She can't eat without his permission. Um, and uh, she, she absolutely cannot talk to other men. Right. Uh, Bruce Kelly, his brother, is interviewed
1: for the— Is that the-, the one who was in prison? Yes.
0: And he has a weird attitude about all of this. He
1: has a weird attitude. <laughs> Period. He says about
0: his brother, uh, how his brother oh. acts towards men. He says, that's just how we are. Uh, he says, I like older women. Go figure. But that's just a preference. So what's the big deal? He
1: likes younger women.
0: Yeah. R. Kelly likes younger women. I like older women. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, he's that's-
1: confused.
0: <laughs> I mean, he's saying this from prison. Yeah. No, we, we. he's he's not great. Yeah.
1: Not a reliable source of what's good and bad.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, in 1998, they have their uh, their first daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the same year he does a duet, I'm Your Angel, with Celine Dion.
1: I didn't even know he had a song with her. I, didn't I don't know either. this man. Yeah. That's what I'm learning.
0: Uh, he says that uh, of his daughter's birth, he says, uh, I can't handle. Uh, I'm one of those who can't handle participating in the actual birth. It's a little too intense, and the stakes are a bit too high for me if anything goes wrong. Oh, they're too high for you. Mm. Oh, this is about you. Oh, right. Uh, Birth is God's great miracle, and I thank him for the gift, but the Lord and I have agreed that I'm not supposed to head to the hospital after the baby is born and everyone's all cleaned up. I wanted to mention this because he has a weird history with this. Uh, In Sola Coaster, he also says that at 17, Mm -hmm. he started having sex with a girl, and she had her period, and when he saw the blood, he freaked out to the point where he said he didn't have sex for three or four years after that.
1: Well, he clearly has a hard time with matured bodies. Yes. I mean, he doesn't want to see a woman give birth because he doesn't like women.
0: I was hoping that was the conclusion that you'd reach because that, right? that was my pop psychology interpretation. Thank you. And this is what's so Ask interesting. As a pop
1: psychologist. What's
0: so interesting about Solo Coaster is he leaves out so much. Yeah. I don't think he ever mentions Aaliyah. Of course, he never says anything no. bad that he's incriminating. ever done. Incriminating. But in but these this little is incriminating ways, he doesn't realize how incriminating yeah. it is.
1: Period blood freaking out over only. Yeah. It's because she was a woman. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, so he says that while he was awaiting the birth of his daughter, where does he go? The McDonald's. rock and roll McDonald's. The rock and roll McDonald's, to be specific. Okay. Which he says oh, no. is the nicest McDonald's there is. He
1: fucking works for McDonald's. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like how much they're paying him for this. <laughs> they sponsored his book. Yeah. I bet.
0: So in the documentary, <laughs> uh, he talks about the uh, – sorry –
1: in the autobiography. In
0: Solo Coaster. He so he talks about the demise of he Andrea's marriage, which as you can imagine
1: very different. Very from hers. different
0: from her <laughs> description. She talks about escalating abuse. Yeah. She brings up divorce. He strangles her in the back of a Hummer. Uh, mm-hmm. she's PTSD. She recently talked about this on The View.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh she and that's just one of, you know, let's assume many instances. And she and then all the Uh, child pornography stuff comes out and she has had enough and she finally leaves she gets a restraining order against him in 2005 Uh, she files for divorce in 2006 and it isn't finalized until
1: 2009 oh wow it's long
0: Um, here's what R. Kelly has to say about why they got divorced Mm -hmm. get ready
1: I'm buckling
0: up. Turn both of our mics down because we're both about to probably scream pretty loudly. (laughs) From the start of our marriage, I made it clear that I needed a woman to raise our children and be my best friend and biggest supporter. This was the idea I'd put into the song Homie Lover Friend off 12 Play. I couldn't fool myself. I always knew I wanted a stay at home wife to make my life work. And he talks about how she just can't give up this dream of being a dancer. And he tried to make her own studio to make him happy. But she wanted to go and audition for things, and then she would talk to other men, and how uncomfortable that made him. And again, he's telling you this, thinking. They'll I get it. I sound normal. I sound normal and cool.
1: I gave her a studio to dance alone in. Isn't to dance that enough? Alone in. I'm. Turn my mic down. Because <laughs> I'm going to scream. <laughs> Remember my hit, Homie Lover Friend? No, we don't. R. Right, Kelly, we're, don't reference your bad music. Yeah. You dumb pig. <laughs> Sorry, that's the meanest <laughs> I'll get. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> they play it
0: on loop at the rock and roll mcdonald's <laughs>
1: god the real conspiracy here is his relationship to With the, the CEO McDonald's. mcdonald's
0: i think that they always play him and Kelly mcdonald
1: are both creeps yes go on absolutely <laughs>
0: um so
1: so moving on
0: so okay so i wanted to i mentioned a little bit about some of the abusive uh Abuse, how abuse gets started with Drea yeah. and their relationship. I wanted to just talk about some commonalities between what Drea says and what all the other women mm-hmm. who are interviewed talk about. So they all, or across the board, these seem to be the common themes. Uh, women who are around him have to stand when he walks the room, mm-hmm. call him daddy,
1: Gross. Uh,
0: ask to move around the house takes their devices away obviously, obviously. cell phones etc and he makes girls sign NDAs write false confessions about themselves and uses that and the endless sex tapes that he makes against as them blackmail yeah so the other thing that uh, is just seems to have been left out left on the cutting room floor of <laughs> Solo coaster is the fact that he's constantly cheating Andrea and yes. that he has this basically this harem of and he keeps her the whole thing with keeping women in certain parts of the house so for them he,
1: not to run into each other yeah Yes How what a weird maze of a house and a scary one
0: Yeah Yeah um it yeah, that you didn't watch the end of the documentary, no. but they have one of his uh former I don't want to say girlfriend, don't. victim. Victim
1: exactly. goes back
0: to a uh, house that she lived in with him and talks about how terrifying this one room is and how Ugh. the walls are painted black and there were dark curtains and it was just she Sad doesn't and want to, scary. Yeah, he's a real monster.
1: Yeah, he's the worst. One of the worst.
0: Uh, so, okay, so why is this? Why does he have this attitude? I loved what Drea said in her interview, and I think she summed it up best when she said he wants to be perceived as the alpha male when he's really the
1: runt of the litter. God damn. Well, yeah.
0: I wanted to talk about another moment that I came across that Mm -hmm. I think backs what she's saying up. Uh, in 2004 at the Madison Square Garden, he's doing a concert with Jay-Z, uh, and there's a point in the concert where he says he can't come back on out on stage, and eventually their whole tour together, the Best of Both Worlds tour, is canceled. Oh,
1: wow. uh, and uh, he
0: sa- and he says that it's because uh, R. Kelly says that he saw people like showing him their guns, like they're out in the audience and, and they, they like, like open up gun. their jacket and like point at their gun. Okay, And he said that he was afraid of being shot. And he oh. said that that happened once and he went back and he came back out. And then another guy in a different part of the stadium did the same thing. Like, look at this gun I have. Okay, And Jay-Z said, that didn't happen. <laughs> There's no way you can get a gun into Madison Square also, Garden. Also, how
1: can you see someone that far away? Jay-
0: Jay-Z says that he was insecure because of how much affection the crowd gave Jay-Z. That might be Because it's Madison Square Garden, so it's New York.
1: It's New York.
0: New York loves Jay-Z.
1: Concrete Jungle. Ew. Sorry. That's
0: his song, right? (laughs) Yeah, now it is. So the Concrete Jungle loves him. I
1: hate that song. Yeah, it's really bad.
0: (laughs) Um, But uh,
1: Where dreams are made up or of? What are the lyrics? It's bad. Anyway. (laughs) Where dreams are made up. Yeah.
0: Uh so he was just so insecure about that. Yeah. All about the fact that, that Jay-Z sense. has fans. Yeah. My God.
1: You don't surround yourself with twelve year old girls because you feel good about yourself.
0: Right. That's fair. You know? Yeah. So let's get into the really bad stuff. Ah, uh, I thought <laughs> it just gets so
1: bad. <laughs> I know.
0: Uh, so in the early 2000s is when Stephanie Edwards, aka Sparkle, who's best known for her hit "Be Careful," mm. introduces her 12 year old niece to the singer, and this niece is the daughter of one of R. Kelly's bass players. Yes. So introduces uh,
1: him because she's a good rapper, not just a, for fun.
0: She's a rapper. She yeah. compares her to the likes of Bow Wow, mm-hmm. who was big at the time, um, and then she, she would go on to identify her niece. As being the girl on what they insist on referring to as a sex tape,
1: which it's not, which
0: is confusing. It's
1: child pornography.
0: So and he okay. wasn't having sex
1: with her; he was, was raping, raping her. her.
0: So that's a point that Katie and I really wanted to uh, highlight. So before even before the the sex tape surfaces in two thousand and two, the child porn. The child porn.
1: Sorry, we're <laughs> changing the, the verbiage <laughs> here because they didn't do they it on the documentary, do it and it made me mad.
0: So, uh, Jim DeRogatis, I hope that's how you say his name, has been writing about his uh, about sexual allegations against him since 2000. Mm. In 2002, it's revealed that the police are probing into it, and he, uh, at that time, he also uh, sings at the Winter Olympics. Uh, I think it was like the same day that he's singing the national anthem and the police are probing into this whole situation. But before that, I wanted to point out that between 1996 and 2002, he had settled several – I want to say three, I Mm -hmm. believe – civil lawsuits out of court where he had been sued by families of girls who say that he had sex with them and they were – raped them and they were underage. Uh, He says of this time – During the 90s, I got hit with a bunch of lawsuits from several people making false claims. These suits were called nuisance claims, and according to my attorneys, it could cost more money to fight the suits than to settle.
1: Mm.
0: So that's what he says. Great. Yeah. So (laughs) I brought up some other (laughs) little things in the time like, and then in 2002, he comes out with Ignition. Who cares? Who cares? I hate that song. (laughs) Um, It goes without saying. It wouldn't matter if I liked his song. We'll get into that. So he's indicted on 21 counts of child pornography five months later, June 5th, 2002. He's indicted for child pornography and not sex tapery. Child uh, pornography, yeah, thank
1: you sex tapery,
0: yeah uh, through so they uh, so I wanted to talk about what the actual law is, yeah, section two two five six of Title eighteen United States Code divides child pornography as any visual depiction of sexually explicit conduct involving a minor, yep, someone under eighteen years of age. so in case anyone was confused at that time, okay, here was my impression of the sex tape. Mm-hmm. I thought. That he had had he had made a sex tape. I had heard sex tape, yeah, okay. and that uh, he had uh, peed on a girl in the sex tape, and then it turned out she was underage, right? What is so heartbreaking to see in the series is people interviewed who talked about it, who knew the girl, mm-hmm. saw the tape. They're sobbing when they talk about it, yeah, and they're not crying. You don't cry over a sex tape you saw years ago. No. They're crying because what they saw was right. truly disturbing, yeah. So I just wanted to really underline that.
1: I'm always very curious. I don't blame anyone in in the video except Wendy Williams um, for watch. I would never want to see that. I would never seek it out. A lot of people did and have. And almost everyone on that video, the documentary, had seen this. Well, I think some of them had to – no, I guess only – Sparkle had to in court to identify to identify, which is probably – Terrible and sad. But a lot of, I mean, Wendy Williams had it, and I fucking quote, rushed to her from Chicago to New York so she could watch it. And Wendy, that's a crime. That was, and I'm calling the fucking cops.
0: That was what was so confusing, and she talks about this so openly, and I want to yes. go on to read more of the law. Federal <laughs> law prohibits the production, distribution, reception, and possession of an image of child pornography using or affecting any means or facility of interstate or foreign commerce. Thank you. How is she not behind bars? I
1: don't know. I guess so she just like said that just now. So I consulted with a lawyer
0: before yes. this episode. Yeah, no, yes. Official legal representation. And he was saying that uh, that if you're a journalist, you can sometimes have a pass for that. Okay. But she probably does not. She would have a hard time. She was like a
1: radio shock jock at the time. So maybe she could say that was journalism. But once again, and I really, really mean this, I don't support anyone watching child pornography, no matter what your weird curiosities are. And yeah. you're all fucking gross.
0: So, on that point, uh, there is a porn website called X Hamster, which I had never heard of. But uh, you have? I actually have. Okay. Uh, President Alex Hawkins said the R. Kelly tape is not on X Hamster, nor would we ever allow it to be. And he's making the statement because there were so many searches. After oh, the documentary wow.
1: People uh, are so fucking gross He
0: said as we do with similar other content We will be disabling searching and putting up messages Alerting any searches searchers That this is not acceptable
1: Thank you And this is
0: from a man who's a president Of, of a, X Hamster, of X hamster which And I,
1: he gets it and you fucking idiots Don't
0: And he gets hamster porn <laughs> I assume No
1: know you're right I think So stop being pigs.
0: And I just remember, like, all the pee jokes. And looking back, I'm like, I can't believe... Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle, most famously. uh, That episode of South Park. And it's just, like, this light... I'm
1: fine with people making fun of R. Kelly for being gross. Absolutely. But we can't... What really upset me about the documentary is how lightly we wash over that this is a child. She's 14. Yeah. Like, none of this is funny or easy or sensational. It's gross. And he, like, really, really gets away with it. He really does. Many times.
0: Many times. We're going to talk about how much he got away with it. He was acquitted in 2008. Mm. Uh, There was a six-year lapse between when he was uh, charged and when he was acquitted. Um, A lot of the people – there were some kind of practical reasons for it being delayed. But uh, one of the things that they mentioned in the documentary, some people kind of cynically suggested that maybe it was a thing where they wanted to delay the trial so that the women taking the stand would be adults and no longer teens. So it would look a lot better for him. So Kelly's lawyers made a series of strange arguments. Uh, It can't be proven. It's him on the tape. Uh, Journalist Torre in the documentary points out that how ridiculous that is because you can hear people
1: shouting his name from the other <laughs> Robert under- Kelly Robert sylvester Rob. Kelly born January eighth nineteen sixty seven <laughs> is that you in there yeah phone call,
0: yeah uh there's also a mole on his back that you can identify there you- and they say, oh, they put it in there digitally oh, these were pro, pro- they don't these know how to were do those sex things. workers these were models. they were paid by his enemies. It's all an elaborate plot God. they say it could be Kerry Kelly, his brother. Which it isn't. (laughs) Uh, So, but in the end, the girl who's in the tape, her parents, uh, she doesn't testify. Right. Her parents don't want her to. Uh, Sparkle says that they didn't want to deal with the horror. Yeah, I got it. So, which, again, no judgment. No. But that's why the jurors acquitted him, basically. Damn. After he's acquitted, his crew asks him where he wants to go.
1: McDee's.
0: McDonald's, I've got to get a double cheeseburger and fries.
1: The devil works hard, (laughs) but Ronald McDonald works harder.
0: So they make a big deal in the documentary uh, about how he then goes on to perform and do well. Uh, He uh, does a big 2010 performance of the Sam Cooke tribute, attends Whitney Houston's funeral, sings at her funeral. People are into it. Uh, 2012, puts out a solo coaster. Seven Molly buys y- it. Seven years <laughs> later, I buy it. <laughs> in 2015, uh, several fa- names you'll recognize uh, participate in his album or featured on his album. Lil Wayne. Oh.
1: <gasps> our brother? Not anymore. Honestly, not anymore.
0: <laughs> uh, Juicy J. Ty Dolla Sign. Okay,
1: all well, of- that makes sense. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I, don't I don't know, know anything about them. Uh, R. Kelly put out a Christmas album in 2016, which turned out to be his last
1: album. Good.
0: Uh, so in July 2017, that's when BuzzFeed comes out with that article, also by Jim DeRogatis, who you heard about earlier, who started out he's working for tr- the Chicago Sun-Times. He's Sun really
1: Times.
0: He's made such a career out, out, of, R. Kelly. To- out of R. Kelly's sex crimes wow. that he gets a full mention in In R. Kelly's song, I Admit.
1: Oh, God. Yeah. What BuzzFeed article?
0: This was the BuzzFeed. This is the article that broke him being in a sex cult. I don't know the exact title. Oh. But that's when the sex cult allegations come out. Okay. Then they talk about how there are six women. uh, So his, Asante, uh, who you see in the documentary, Kitty Jones- um, they uh, and then also Cheryl McGee. Uh, they state that there are six women living and traveling with R. Kelly, one of whom is Joycelyn Savage, who has is ta- is talked about a lot in the mm-hmm. documentary. Um, the last time Joycelyn's mother saw her was December first, twenty sixteen. Uh, she says it was as if she was brainwashed. She looked like a prisoner. It was horrible. She said, "I hugged and I hugged her and hugged her." Joycelyn is another one of those girls where it's like she thought she was auditioning, basically. She thought right. she was going to do something for her career. But she, and what's her age? Um, I don't know what her age is now. She's a, She's not a minor no, at this point. No, she's not, point. right. Um, yeah. uh, but she just, actually, I don't know if Joycelyn, I might be mixing her up with Azriel. Maybe she was just a fan. But in, anyway, she's ensnared by him. Uh, she just kept saying that she's in love with Kelly and he's the one who cares for her. I don't know what to do. I hope that I can get her back. I can get treatment for victims of cults. They can re- reprogram her, her, but I wish I could have stopped it from the beginning. They've only Her parents have only heard from her daughter twice since they last saw her. They got a one-sentence text From her on Christmas Day. I hate Christmas has to be this way this year. And then received another text on May 14th. Happy Mother's Day from me and Rob. So Joycelyn is the one who appears in that uh, 2017 TMZ video. Where it comes out oh, So the yeah. Buzzfeed article is like he has a sex cult, he's holding women against his will. She is the one who appears in that video and she looks so scared yeah. and so awkward and like she doesn't know what to do with her hands. Yeah. Like she's making such strange, unnatural gestures while she talks. Mm-hmm. And his dad points out her dad points out that you can see someone making a cut it signal to her. Oh. Like you can see the shadow on her uh chest when he the journalist actually says the TMZ reporter says are you being uh, can you leave? Are you free to go? And she says, "No, I don't want to talk about that." And it's like, "Well, <laughs> yeah." And she means like no, I don't want to talk yeah, about it, but, but you, the first word out of your mouth was no. Um so also from the BuzzFeed article, we learned that a 31-year-old den mother who uh, is training newcomers on how Kelly likes to be pleasured sexually. Uh, she had been best friends since high school with a girl in the videotape for who, for which Kelly was tried in 2008. Jesus. Yeah. After the Buzzfeed article, finally some shows start getting canceled. Um, Thank God. And then after reading the Buzzfeed article, uh, or, uh, Oronike his name, I hope I'm saying right. I looked up how to pronounce it. I hate it when podcasters are like, I don't know how to pronounce it. I hope I'm saying this right. I'm like, look it up. I looked this up and I couldn't I think find a guy. So, she's an Atlanta art consultant. And after reading the article, she decided to become an advocate. And she and along with Kenya Tisha Barnes, who is a legislative and policy director for the Georgia Alliance for Social mm. Justice, uh, they formed ha- Mute R. Kelly.
1: Hashtag mute R. Kelly. Hashtag
0: mute R. Kelly has become a popular mm-hmm. hashtag on Twitter and they've also organized a lot of uh protests. So um so let's talk about Twitter. Twitter and uh, like what the, the public perception, like what it is of him now. Mm-hmm. Um I remember seeing this um this 2002 Chicago Sun-Times article that had the title inspirational singer or perverted swinger Ugh. about him and the sex charge, sex charges, sex crimes. Um, And it's like, why can't he be both? You know? He is. He is and both. And that's the
1: thing. He is both.
0: That's the thing. We've kind of been shitting on his music. We don't. If you, like if you it, like it. If you like it, you like it.
1: And, that's and the I mean, think that meant I, a lot to a lot of people and, and you still and does. I
0: have both seen a lot on Twitter and comments on YouTube videos of his music videos of people being like, I don't care what people say about him. I still love his right. music. And it's like, you can love his music. And you
1: can still say, I don't like him as a person. And say
0: he's guilty. Yeah. And I'm not going to go to his concert or spend yeah. money on him because the money that you spend on him is actively going to the torture and imprisonment. But if you already no. own
1: an R. Kelly album and you want to throw it on on a Saturday night... That's your weird choice to make, and we support you.
0: We support all weird choices. So Spotify has since removed him from their playlist. Uh, Completely? So it's not removing his music. Got it. But it's like removing his playlist. Okay. Uh, So January eighteenth, two 2019, I read that prosecutors in Chicago and Atlanta are looking into the accusations Mm. that have been raised by the documentary. It's about
1: time. It's about fucking time.
0: Yeah, and uh, Kimberly M. Fox, a state prosecutor for Cook County, Illinois, is urging victims to come forward.
1: Like, come now, no matter how long ago it was. Yeah. Good.
0: From what, after the documentary came out, uh, Henry Mason, R. Kelly's bodyguard, threatened uh, Joycelyn's father's life. Like, he called and left a message and said, it would be better for you if this documentary
1: didn't come out. Jesus.
0: Yeah, so the police... Police got involved. Celebrities who (laughs) supported him but now regret (laughs) it. Celine Dion, we should mention, has since pulled her duet with him. Good. She takes it back. She's like, I'm sorry. She's unduetted. Uh, Lady Gaga put out, do what you want with my body Mm. in 2013.
1: Yeah, that was a bad That's not long ago.
0: So here's what she has to say about that. As a victim of sexual assault myself, I made both the song and the video at a dark time in my life. My intention was to create something extremely defiant and provocative okay. because I was still angry and still in not process the trauma that had occurred in my own life.
1: Okay. We'll move on from her. <laughs> You don't. <laughs> it just took her a long time to say something. And it's also, I just think People that have been like waiting for her to say something about it. A bit
0: disingenuous to just lead with, well, I'm a victim of sexual assault. And yeah. it's like, no, so is Kelly. Like, yeah, so, are so are a lot, lot of people. people who do bad things. Mm-hmm. And that's terrible that that's happened. Yeah. And you deserve sympathy. Absolutely. But it doesn't mean that it's okay that you don't give a shit about yeah. the fact that he's actively abusing other people.
1: Yep. You're exactly I've right. I've never
0: liked Lady Gaga.
1: And this, this isn't, just drives it home. It
0: wouldn't matter if I had. I also want to talk about what? the um, <laughs> what I think is important is that so many people are pointing out that there is a long, rich history of musicians being perverts yes. and committing sex crimes and having underage girlfriends yes. and committing statutory rape and bragging about it yes. in their songs. Uh, a lot, a lot, some a examples lot. that come up a lot are Elvis and Priscilla. Mm-hmm. So Priscilla was apparently 14 when they met. He was already in his 20s. Yeah. I've read that their relationship started out sexual and apparently he had a strong preference for girls around that age, for 14. Yeah. 14-year-olds. 14 yeah. I had not heard that. Yeah,
1: he was a perv. <sighs>
0: uh Mick Jagger, David mm. Bowie. Mm. Oh yeah. Motley Crue obviously. Iggy Pop. <laughs> Ted Nugent. Iggy Pop. I didn't know that. Oh, Iggy Pop.
1: Oh, that sucks.
0: So, okay. So now I, now say, I have to hate them So, I have to say, like, when you read all these names, you do get bummed out because you want to like these people. I know
1: the feeling of being bummed when someone you love is bad, like a musician or like an artist of some kind.
0: <laughs> when I was first making this list, yeah. I was like, it's so many. It would be easier to make a list of, of who musicians is it? who aren't perverts. Let's name one. Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney. That's it.
1: The band of ELO, we think.
0: We were listening to ELO like, yesterday. They seem like,
1: so wholesome. Like, I hope Most not. of the Beatles. Well, let's just say Ringo and Paul.
0: So a big thing, a big point being made is that a lot of uh, his supporters, a lot of R. Kelly supporters say that they feel like it's kind of, uh, they think hypocritical. That there are all these, uh, yeah. they say wh- there are all these white musicians who haven't had, and they say it's a system of racism. That's going after R. Kelly and uh, leaving these others to live their lives and Mm -hmm. still be billionaires. Um, Hashtag first them is a hashtag that's been going around saying like you have to get rid of all these and then then you can get to R. Kelly.
1: My thing is hashtag all of them at the same time. Let's just do it all. And also it's a system of racism that kept R. Kelly out of prison because his victims were black girls.
0: That is a point that's raised in the documentary, and I feel like that's what hashtag first them really misses, is that yeah. Mute R. Kelly was started by black women mm-hmm. to defend black, black girls. women. Yeah, and you can't take that away from and them. And
1: don't, or we'll fucking
0: We're not come saying for racism you. doesn't
1: exist. And it very much does, and it is in this as well.
0: And I absolutely, the stuff about Mick Jagger and David Bowie, you would be, would, there would be the same reaction if people were like, hey, they totally had sex with 14, 13-year-olds. Mm-hmm. All of our dads would say, "Like, oh, it was a different time. It mm-hmm. was a seventy bullshit."
1: Bullshit. All of our dads. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> no, literally.
0: But don't throw out your dad with the bath water, you know? Yeah. Or no, no, that's no, what I do. Meant. no, do no <laughs> do. But keep. We're just. We already said this, but you can listen to music by bad people. Yeah. You just can't say that you don't think that they're guilty.
1: When they are. When they are. That's what you can't do, and we won't let you.
0: Yeah. Did you have anything that you wanted to? Uh, any tweets? The only that tweets you saw that matter that
1: to me are this one that I'll read to you. May I? Yeah. Oh, please. So, in a tweet chain, Twitter chain that was sent to me, uh, to me, this is all that matters, and it was a group of like one to six people. All people of color writing, um, making fun of the remix to Ignition song, and I thought it was worth a read. It's the remix to Conviction, hot and fresh into prison. Lifetime role in that movie and got my career in cessation. They'll say girls are dumb because he tricked them with gum. Once that gavel hits and justice is served, he'll finally be done. Bounce, 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 bounce. And I love that remake. That's the only remix to Ignition I fucking care about. Yeah. Gavel, gavel. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The Twitter reaction, yeah, something, I mean, we've, like, beat this horse to death. But I've been, because we've been watching and researching for this episode, I've been watching a lot of uh, YouTube clips of him even currently being out and about. Like, his birthday was just January, whatever. And... He's in a club and he, you know, gets handed the mic and his songs are playing and there are a lot of fucking people there uh, cheering and excited to have him. And he sings like, I don't care what's going on. And it's like, and everyone's like, yeah, Kel. And it's just so sad and weird that Mm -hmm. we can't just, if I saw him in a club, I would run the other way. Yeah. Or I would run towards him and citizens arrest him and bring him to the cops. It's yeah. just, I don't know, I don't, I don't get it. And it's men and it's women. It's not just, you know, one-sided that men have his back like a lot of women do. And we can obviously go into why that is societally. But it's sad. Yeah. And bums me out.
0: Yeah. Uh, Tarana Burke touches on that on the... Uh, in the documentary, she's the Me Too founder, mm-hmm. and she talks about how people have such a strong connection to his music. We talked about how "I Believe I Can Fly" is such a big song at graduations, and uh, "Step in the Name of Love." She says that uh, a lot of people love to play that at their wedding. Yeah, and yeah, all just you can still have those memories and cherish them. Yeah, and, and they're not tainted
1: unless you just don't make that happen.
0: Go to his birthday party. No,
1: please don't. Please yeah. don't go to his birthday party.
0: There, And I feel this is where I'll end it for me, is that people want to say that people are, people are both their best and worst qualities. You know, this yeah. idea that there can't be division, that there can't be this high, spiritual, talented person, and then also this absolute demon mm-hmm. who needs to go to prison and <laughs> not be around any women for the rest of his life, those can exist in the same person. Yeah. And we need to acknowledge that duality in him and in ourselves.
1: Yeah, I do.
0: I did want to also (laughs) mention that thing in Ethiopia.
1: So there's a video um, where he is, I guess, doing a concert with, seems like a A lot of fucking people are there. He's done several tours in Africa. Yeah, and he's in Ethiopia, and he is singing what seems to be an in-between song, uh, probably in between his hits, and it just seems like this message spoke through him where he starts to sing. um, Should I sing it? Yeah, please. (laughs) Where he says, um, Do you have your passport? Have you had all your shots? Do you want to go to America with Rob? To America? Like, you know, Pied Pipering uh, the, the Ethiopian girls.
0: And it's just so disgusting to watch because it's like things aren't going well for him here. So, what is he doing? He's going to a country yeah. where that documentary hasn't come out yet.
1: Yeah. And he's really trying. And still. it reminded me
0: okay, so there were two things that this really reminded me of that U Penn guy who was uh, a child, who was oh, a pedophile, yeah. who was molesting all those. Uh, little boys, boys yeah. who were all from bad neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. They were all uh, African American. Um, uh, those are and that that I think that was like a very good parallel case of like why things didn't move along quicker. And yeah, it's like well, who were this his is victims? why. Mm-hmm. And then also the thing in Ethiopia that what that triggered was remembering that in the Catholic Church, when things started going bad for them in the Western oh, world, shit. you know what they did. There, uh, suddenly they had all this mission work to do in, uh, Central and South America mm. and in Africa and in Ethiopia wow. and most, and if you look at where a lot of their new recruits are, it's from, uh, there's, it's a growing church in Ethiopia and it's like R. Kelly, mm. I think read that article and was like, on know. my way,
1: I know where I'm going. Do they
0: have a McDonald's in Ethiopia? was going to say, is there a Big Mac
1: there? Cause I, he's on his way. Shut down McDonald's. Shut down McDonald's. Mute R. Kelly.
0: Mute R. Kelly.
1: Like what you like, but just don't be dumb about it. We have your back.
0: We, ha- we believe
1: I- the women of this documentary.
0: We believe. Them. Duh, duh.
1: And if you fucking don't, I don't know.
0: See me at McDonald's. So I'll
1: see you at f- the shut down McDonald's around the corner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got it. We're good. We've
0: done all weekend. Do you have your passport?
1: Did you get your shots? Girl, would you like to come back with Rob to America?
0: America, America.